So I'm going to be talking about Cannabis 2.0 today. Uh, we're going to talk about what we do with investors, how we take those investment dollars, deploy them into high-velocity rising star cannabis entrepreneurs. And we also will talk a little bit about how we protect that investment by getting very, very involved in those companies and helping those companies uh, have better strategies, build amazing cultures, and really bring them purpose-driven leadership. But before I go into that, uh, I'd like to introduce Kevin Harrington. I'm really uh, proud and honored to, to have Kevin as both an investor and a strategic partner uh, in us. I mean, if you think about uh, an individual or a brand in Shark Tank that specializes in, number one, early stage high-risk investments, and number two, um, you know, working with early stage entrepreneurs to be successful, uh, it's certainly uh, Kevin Harrington. Kevin calls himself or considers himself he's got a reputation of being the entrepreneur's entrepreneur, which very much fits into our ethos. Uh, I have a, you know, although I, really my background is one part wealth advisor, one part entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, some would say, um, I'm, I, I really have a passion for seeing early stage entrepreneurs be wildly successful. Uh, I've gotten really lucky in being able to create some success and being early to the cannabis sector in the East Coast. And um, so we're really pumped to be here today. Please, you know, my goal is to, to save some time for Q&A. Please uh, ask whatever questions you might have. We're a pretty transparent team. So uh, I'm going to you know, introduce Kevin. Uh, Kevin is uh, really uh, someone that's been part of over half a billion dollars worth of brands. Uh, he was really a thought leader in, uh, you know, the late night infomercials. He was the person that helped create that space. Um, and Kevin's, uh, you know, I'm going to turn it over to Kevin to talk a little bit. Thank you. So um, I have, there's a couple things I look for. Over the years, I've invested in, in well over a thousand projects. Um, um, just real quick, the, the, the story goes back to the early 80s. Um, I was a young entrepreneur. And I was watching cable TV and all of a sudden one of the channels I was watching went dark and I called the cable company and I said there's a technical problem I'm not getting this channel and they said oh that's that's six hours of downtime uh, it's it a new channel that just launched and it's an 18 hour a day channel they have six hours of downtime and I said downtime meaning that there's nothing on and they said yeah exactly so I cut a deal to start buying the downtime of all the cable networks Back in the early 80s, it was Discovery Channel, it was the Nashville Network, and Bravo, and Lifetime, and then we went around the world and did this in, in foreign markets. But we, we, we took companies public, we were on the New York Stock Exchange, created massive values uh, for our shareholders, uh, billions of dollars in sales. And 10 years ago, uh, 2013, I saw the handwriting on the wall and said, this is an industry that as seen on TV, television viewership is declining and it's now down by 50%. So I, I made a shift to invest in early stage companies. And um, of course, by, by this time now, I had, had been a shark on Shark Tank, so I was getting a lot of pitches, literally thousands of pitches a month. And to this day, I still get over 1,000 pitches a month. So I have to decide, what do I want to focus on? What do I want to invest in? And there's two things I look for. First of all, I look for entrepreneurs that I'll call it high velocity entrepreneurs that are that have a track record and hopefully also an exit strategy. And we're going to talk about Michael's background here in just a minute. But Michael fit that 
perfectly because he had started a company with $500,000 and three and a half years later turned it into a $114 million sale of that company. So that's what I call a high velocity entrepreneur as well as someone that knows how to raise capital and have an exit. And, and that's an important thing because you know, I, I, one of the problems on Shark Tank, I was investing in many private companies that ended up not having an exit strategy, and um, it was a, a more difficult situation. These were small companies. Um, you, we don't, I don't half of a company doing, you know, $800,000 in sales, flatlining, right? So I said, I need to, to really look for not only high-velocity entrepreneurs, but also I need to look for companies that have what I call exponential return on investment. And so um, the first deal that I got involved with after selling, I sold all the As Seen on TV assets in 2013 to a public company, had a nice exit in that situation. And, and I said, I want to start investing in early stage companies that have great potential and great potential return, uh, exponential return on investment. The very first company that I got involved with is a company located just down the street here. It's a company called Celsius. It's an energy drink. How many are familiar with the, the company called Celsius, the energy drink? All right, great. About half the room. Good. So this was a startup. Um, the, the stock was 10 cents a share. And I got involved back then. I joined the board. I invested. And um, we've had an amazing growth. Uh, we're, we're now, uh, the, the, you know, we were in, an, here we were a multi-million dollar company competing against Red Bull, which is hundreds of billions, Monster, uh, 50 plus billion, and we're a, a couple million dollar company, but we had some strategies and we had a plan and we had a good team and that stock, we just sold 7% of the company to Pepsi for $550 million. So uh, thank you very much. Okay. Um, so we went from a couple million, it's an $8 billion company today. Uh, stock is trading at $114, the last I looked, from 10 cents. And this is the kind of opportunity I look for. And when Michael told me about Canapreneur, what he was doing with Canapreneur and what he had already done, which is a slide that I'll address here in a little bit. But um, I said, there also is a tremendous beverage opportunity in the cannabis space. And we're going to talk a little bit about that also. Back to you, Michael. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, next slide, if we could. So uh, I'm going to talk about the cannabis industry and, and how it's really misunderstood and how that uh, that factor is creating an amazing investment opportunity for those that uh, get in and figure out the data early. Uh, listen, I was an anti-cannabis, anti-drug billboard in college and in my 20s, never even tried cannabis until my early 30s. Uh, why? For probably the same reason uh, many of you may have some, some stigma or negative thoughts on cannabis as an industry. You know, if you really dig into the data, what the politicians sold us in the 70s and 80s was really a bunch of bunk. The true scoop is when you look at the data on the screen, cannabis has minimal adverse impacts to society, lots of upsides. In fact, if you look at alcohol and caffeine, which are two of the most destigmatized drugs in our society that we choose to drink, and if you look at the number of deaths, cannabis, uh, caffeine has two to four per year. Alcohol is 90,000 per year. Cannabis, although uh, listed as a Schedule One drug, uh, it contributes zero deaths, although the other factors in Schedule One and Two 
is 100,000 deaths per year. On the positive front, state by state, as legalization is happening, opiate overdose deaths, and by the way, prescription drugs is the number one source of drug abuse, uh, opiate overdose deaths are going down 20, 30%. We're seeing suicide rates drop on a regular basis. Talk to any addiction specialist that has figured out cannabis uh, can be an amazing tool. They'll tell you their patients using cannabis are getting the best results of getting off of heroin, opiates, and a lot of the hard drugs that are ruining and destroying lives. Uh, as we look at this, right, that's part of what's keeping a lot of money out. And you want to know what? Guess what the big, big factor is keeping money out of this industry? The fact that it's still federally illegal. And I'm sitting here today telling you, I'm not in a rush for this to become federally illegal because I'm going to continue to advance my lead in this industry on the East Coast. What's happening right now on the screen is the entire East Coast. Folks, I'm talking Alabama and even Georgia are accepting cannabis licenses now, applications. The entire East Coast is going through legalization. What society and the world is figuring out is cannabis is not as harmful to society. It actually has quite the positives, and the investment opportunity is compelling. I got into cannabis early because Massachusetts was the first fully legal market in the East Coast. So I jumped into this speculating that this was going to happen. There was zero countries legal at the time. We're now almost at 50 countries in the world legal for cannabis. And that's only in the last few years this, opened, this has opened up. So here's what I'll tell you. The puck is headed in a direction with cannabis that's not going to stop. The federal government is the single entity that benefits financially more from this industry than any other single entity in the world. They're not going to shut it down. They were the first ones to secure a patent. Even though they're saying it's a Schedule One drug, they've also secured a patent that says cannabis has medicinal value. So what I'm here to tell you is cannabis is an amazing investment opportunity. Cannabis is not going to go away. And if we look at this, uh, this is a side-by-side -side comparison. So Nature's Remedy was that exit that was really an idea. Uh, I was the first investor in with my own money at a half million dollars, $114 million exit, and about three and, three and a half years later, what I quickly started doing, even before that exit, is starting to build Canapreneur Partners. I saw the opportunity, and what I said is, hey, I'm going to take these skills that I've learned from Richard Wilson and Family Office Club, and I'm going to keep going. Our plan is very, very simple. We're going to raise hundreds of millions of dollars from smart, savvy entrepreneurs and family offices that know this is where the puck is headed. And what we're going to do is we're going to marry that with values-aligned entrepreneurial leaders that have high velocity, track record of success, and we plan to crush it in this industry. We plan to compete with the biggest players out there, with the hedge fund guys that have access to half a billion dollars to launch these companies. We're going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. And one thing I would say, um, maybe just get back to that slide again, Michael. So $500,000 invested in 2017 turned into $114 million eventually. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that we, we plan to do a much bigger exit with Canapreneur than a hundred and something million, right? I mean, we're, we're looking at hundreds of millions, maybe a billion. Uh, we're looking for a big, big exit in, in this next yeah. round. We are looking for a big exit. And, and look, when, I, when myself and the co-founders built Nature's Remedy, there was a focus on an exit. And here's what I'll tell you. Right now, our focus is just build amazing teams, build amazing companies that can execute. If you understand and study 
what happened on the public markets with cannabis, there was a rise and fall because a lot of the, the leaders that were running these companies didn't know how to create executional excellence. They didn't know how to retain the top leaders. They couldn't hit their financials. That's why there was a cratering in this industry. So, so we're focused first on just building an amazing company. And yes, I mean, our minimum Mendoza, my mental minimum Mendoza, half a billion dollar company. But the goal is if you just build amazing teams, in this industry, the sky's the limit. Admittedly, when I came into this industry, I'll say I had maybe entry-level Major League Baseball skill, right? I had some successes behind me, but I wasn't a top 1% Major League Baseball player. But I got compensated like that because this industry is right now, the talent pool is still like high school ball. Not AAA, not AA. Again, why? Stigma that is often not accurate. You dig into compelling data. And number two, the federal status of the law is keeping a lot of the competition out. Next slide. So, uh, you know, this is part of the reason that Kevin, you know, with his Celsius background, uh, and I are really excited about the cannabis industry. We think drinks will be a dominant place over the next five to 10 years. Society has already said the way we want to consume our legal drugs, alcohol, and caffeine is by drinking them. And I've done a handful of social experiments to know where the puck is headed here. I am telling you, this is going to be a dominant sector. And here's a quick example. This drink brand, Levia, if you talk to anybody in Massachusetts, there's only like three or four drink brands in the entire state. So the branding opportunity is up for grabs. Uh, the worst tasting in the market, they had a first-to-market advantage. They quickly, they're only a couple years old, they sold for $60 million dollars. The exits and the multiples in this industry are insane. Next slide. So we've got a little bit of time left. So I, I want to open it up to Q&A. Here's what I'll tell you. If you're interested in exploring this, invest, uh, this investment opportunity, my personal cell phone is on the screen. Feel free to take a picture of it, scan it. If you're at the 250 to 500K level, in many cases you're talking to myself and Kevin directly. Uh, we would very much love to entertain those conversations, and here's what we'll tell you. Uh, with every investor that comes on board, I don't care if you're a 100K minimum investor or you know, a multi-million dollar investor, we think of you investors as very important strategic investment partners. If I've got the Ferrari, I can't drive it on the racetrack. I can't get those best lap times unless I have fuel in the tank. So a sincere thank you to all of you that are here. And uh, if we have a minute, we'll do Q&A, but we, we may not. So I, I, I'll ask. So uh, safe banking, uh, a lot of the analysts, Callan, thought that it was going to pass here recently. They were wrong. Uh, they had a 70% factor thinking it was going to pass. But look, we were, we were counting on our politicians to get something done, right? That doesn't happen far too frequently. Will it pass? It will. And here's my prediction. Safe banking will pass. Will it be next year, the year after? I don't know. I'm not in a rush for it. But number two, safe banking will pass. And number, but why? Because the government wants more of their tax dollars. That's how they're going to get it. And then number two, the descheduling is already started, right? When those two things happen, folks, guess what's going to happen? Billions of dollars is going to roll through our U.S. exchanges, and they're going to be chasing very few high-quality cannabis businesses. We already saw this happen in the Canadian Stock Exchange. The exact same thing is going to happen here in the U.S. Right now, it's only on the pink sheet. That's not where investors want to invest their money. They want to invest in the major exchanges. When that happens, they have had the early advantage 
We're going to have billions of dollars chasing us, big pharma, big alcohol, big tobacco. Private equity money is already rolling in at an aggressive pace. This is an industry that's not going to go away, and it's going to continue to hit the headlines. And I would submit to you, it's at a very much a net positive to society. Thank you. Thank you.